heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Folks, he's kind of become a a staple here on YWC Football Talk from the Patriots' perspective. He's been on here multiple times. We love to talk Patriots football today. Not the best talk to have, but it's a talk you have to have, kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid. Welcome back, Keegan Stiefel, as we have to unfortunately decipher that 28-13 to Saint loss to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. Always a good time. Um, And, yeah, I don't think anybody really wants to talk about the New Orleans game, including – you know, the media members and stuff who are in Belichick's press conference today, everybody's moved on, um, you know, obviously towards the Bucks, but there's plenty to get to. Cause I think uh, at first look, it was way uglier than, you know, things really were um, when you go back and take a look at it. So I'm going to be interested to see how, how you've digested the loss. And I've got a couple of ideas and takes of my own to, to get out there. The way I look at the loss was just, look, clearly we've seen it. We saw it last week against the Jets. We saw it this week. Trent Brown is dearly missed on the offensive line. I was just glad they didn't go with uh, Durant again because Durant was just getting his lunch eaten. He was just getting turned off completely against the Jets, which if you're doing that, you're not – no. But um, my whole takeaway from this game was just I feel like the play calling from a certain perspective was just too cookie cutter. It was just too trying – it's like – literally try I forget what it's called it's not Murphy's law it's the thing where it's like you try it over and over again and you expect the same result and maybe Stockholm syndrome insanity insanity it's basically it's insanity trying the same thing over and over and over again and expecting this a different result when you're getting the same result um I don't know why Damian Harris is going to the doghouse like that like he didn't have the worst game yesterday but also too he didn't have the best game I just feel like look the James White injury I feel like kind of threw a curveball and or a monkey wrench in all the plans and for a defensive perspective, the Saints passing game was exactly the same as Miami, which carved us up. Like that one drive where they dropped the oh, – it was third and one. They dropped the second that a DB's back. And then Callaway – I think it was Marcus Callaway has that slant, yeah. just catch, and boom. Like there's certain play calling things they have to do better. And also to top it all off, Alvin Kamara looked like Alvin Kamara, which I needed for fantasy but not in real life. Yeah, I – um. I think I'll start on the offensive side of the ball because that's where everybody was a little bit frustrated and, you know, talk about the play calling. And I'm, I'm Josh McDaniel's biggest critic. I've, I've never given him um, the benefit of a doubt. I've always kind of been on his back about everything that he's done since, since I've been paying attention. So that being said, I think he came into the, into the game Sunday thinking, we're going to have to switch it up because week one, week two, they did the same exact thing. They kept it on the ground, short passing game, not a lot of play action stuff, get the ball out quick, you know, stuff that we're accustomed to seeing the past few seasons. And they flipped the script on its head. Um, But that being said, they started out. I think they wanted to ease them into that Uh, first play of the game, Damian Harris run. uh, I think it was, it was a zone run to the left side. He went for seven, I believe. And then they immediately took a shot incomplete. So now you're set up on the third and three where they throw the ball incomplete three and out. So it's one of the situations where I feel like he, 
he didn't fully commit to the changeup of of what was going on right away. And then once he did, it was too late. So they they went in three and out. They forced a, another punt uh, from New Orleans, got the ball back three and out again, and then they immediately started chucking. Right, it, they were down seven nothing. They wanted to respond quickly. They weren't able to do it. And then it started to snowball from there. So what I'd like to see from the offense, not even the players who I, I know can play better, they're more talented than what they've shown the first three weeks. But from the scheme, scheme-wise, you know, play-calling standpoint, commit to what you're going to do. If, you're, if you want to be the running team who throws quick and, and keeps your quarterback out of trouble, then do it. If you want to be a team that takes shots and tries to dial some stuff up and does the the loop-de-doops in the in the backfield and you know tries to confuse the other team then do that too but don't get caught in the middle and not fully believe in what you're doing because that's that's when you're unsuccessful like Sunday they 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 weren't committed fully into what they were doing um and I'm sure this week they will be because they they don't really have a choice um with that offensive line the the Tampa Bay front seven is going to get after them. So they're going to have to get the ball out quickly and they're going to have to go back to what they were, they were doing a couple of weeks ago. So I think we'll see a, a more conviction based offense. You know, they're going to go back to what they do well. Yeah, exactly. My, my whole thing with the Patriots is like, like what we basically just said is how I feel about my gambling recently, which is I always go for the safe bets, but I never, the bets I always say, Oh, this is going to happen, but I'm too much of a chicken shit to bet it. And then it hits. Like yesterday, I said Cincinnati was going to win. Cincinnati was going to win in cover. I said the Chargers were going to cover, which fade the Chiefs going forward. But just with this team, I feel like, and also too, I'm going to encapsulate it in a GIF. It's a big cat from Barstool GIF of him just shouting, figure it out at the MAC championship game years ago. That was just me yesterday being like, figure it out. Like, guys, it's like I said before, it's insanity. It's just not working. And then it became too little too late. I felt like, hey, we could make the comeback, but once the pick six happened, I was just like, okay, just put a fork in it. This one's done. But no, with the offense, it's just, I still feel like they're they're trying to work together. They're trying to gel everything together. But at the same time, too, you're right. This Sunday, there's no, like, oh, hey, yeah, play around this. Just experiment. No, it's just you got to be ready to let the ball loose. Because we, we saw it yesterday with the Bucs and the Rams. We saw Deshaun Jackson fly for 75 yards. We saw all this happened. I'm not saying I'm not expecting Mac Jones to go out there and pick apart at the rant, the Buccaneers secondary, excuse me, but at least if, and also I'm not going into this game, picking us to win. I think we're going to lose. I had this game as a loss six months ago, but my whole thing is just play. We'll just play better and just have like kind of a gauge that we're going forward. We can kind of look at this and say, Hey, even if we lose, if we lose great, but you know what? At least we didn't like totally go get embarrassed, you know? Yeah. I, with their their game plan on Sunday, you, you know, I said that I think they're going to kind of go back to what they were doing the first couple of weeks, which is getting the ball out quickly. But that doesn't mean you can't not just take shots, but strategically, you know, attack people in, in the, the Tampa Bay secondary. That secondary played out of their minds last year in the playoffs. And then everybody came back and they're kind of showing their true colors, who they really are. It's a lot of late round draft picks, a lot of young players who – you know, Mac Jones tore up Mike Edwards when, when they were in college, when they were in the SEC together. Or Mac Jones's team tore up Mike Edwards, excuse me. Uh, but it's one of those situations, right? So you know you're going to be able to attack those guys in the secondary, but you also know JPP and Shaq Barrett and Vita Vea, right, all of them. They're going to be able to get after the quarterback. So 
use the quick game to your advantage. You've got two big tight ends that haven't, you know, as much as people want to trash Johnu Smith this week, uh, everybody's entitled to have an off day. And, and that's what I think it was. I don't think he's some bum who took the money and is, you know, tucking his tail like that. That's not who he is. I don't think, but you've got, you've got two big tight ends who haven't really been utilized in the way that we thought they were going to be. You've got, uh, a, a really good possession receiver and Jacoby Myers who can pick up first down, you know, lickety split, no matter what he can get it. Another guy who's, who broke out a little bit this week, Kendrick Bourne, another possession guy. And then you've got a deep threat in Nelson Aguilar who consistently gets open. That's never been a problem for him early in his career. The drops were an issue, but he seemed to eradicate that in, in Oakland or Las Vegas last year, but him and Mac haven't been able to get on the same page this year. So if you're able to get them on the same page and and keep keep Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, you know, chugging along the way they're going and include the tight ends a little bit, I don't think they're going to have any problem attacking the defense. Now the 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 only option or the only uh, thing left for them to do is try to figure out how to stop Tampa Bay's offense, which I don't think is going to happen very much on Sunday if we're being honest with each other. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think much so either. I think look, it's just going to. Brady's going to come. I expect Brady to come back and be Brady and just do his thing. But no, I totally agree with you on both takes. Like Kendrick Bourne, that's why I said yes. Like even two in the Miami game, and I believe I don't remember his exact stats from the Jets game. But whenever his name was called upon, he did his job. He caught the ball, and even yesterday he had the tightrope catch. Um, Nelson Aguilar too. I feel like look, once they click, there's going to be a couple explosive plays here and there. It's just look, you just gotta. It's just all about timing, and then. The tight ends, I feel like, look, it's going to come with time. It's like even like how – I'm not saying we're the 2020 Bucks, but last year too, like we saw this with Tom where they just had some bad games. Like for those of you who don't remember, look, they lost to the Bears on Thursday – the Nick Foles-led Bears on Thursday night football. Um, I believe they were they were 5-5 five and five at one point or 6-5 and five at one point. Like they had – They almost lost to the the, – the, the, they lost to the Jared Goff Rams on Monday night football. Yeah. They got their asses kicked by the Saints on Sunday night football, and they nearly lost the Giants on Monday night football. In a game, like I said before, I said going to that game, Giants will cover 11-point spread. I said that. I didn't bet it. I feel like an idiot. But, no, as for this team, it's just, look, like you said, it's not so much the front seven. I feel like I'm confident in the front seven's ability to get to Tom. Like, even I saw it. I saw it in Spag's report of Hightower didn't exactly the best game yesterday. My thing is more about – how will our secondary try to contain Mike Evans, Chris Godwin? Obviously, I don't know if you saw this. Scotty Miller's out with a, I believe, a toe yeah. injury. Yeah, Scotty Miller's yeah. out. Um, so maybe that opens up. And the other thing we learned yesterday, look, Tyler Johnson's not being hidden in a broom closet somewhere. They actually used him for the first time yesterday. So it's just a matter of blocking those guys. Oh, and more than likely, too, Antonio Brown will be back. So that's my whole battle on Sunday is how do the Patriots DBs defend against the all the threats that Tampa Bay has? Well, the, the good thing about having watched Tom Brady for 20 years, you know, Patriots fans and, and people who have followed the team is we understand, you know, we've seen how people beat him and it's yeah. bringing pressure, bringing pe- pressure up the middle and forcing him not to get the ball out quickly because he does that so well, but to force the ball out quickly. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I'm about to get hit. I need to get rid of the ball. That's how you beat Tom Brady. You're not really able to do it because he's so smart and, yeah. you know, not everybody has the the guns to do it, but the Patriots have the guns to not, I, I won't say beat Tom Brady, but to make him a little bit uncomfortable. And if anybody knows how to defend him, it's going to be Bill Belichick. Frustrate so, him, if you will. Frustrate him, right. Like, you're not, I don't think you're going to go out there and 
get out to a quick lead and be able to fend them off. I don't think you're going to be able to kind of keep up with them all the way. I, I don't think there's a chance they win this game. I really, I really don't. I just, you know, getting that out in the, in the universe now, but there's opportunities to show that you can be competitive and you can really help the team come along. Um, and in doing that, it's, you know, make him a little bit uncomfortable, uh, frustrate him and kind of send the pressure up the middle a little bit and, and try to get him off of his game a little bit. And with the, the weapons around him. And I know, I know we love to talk about how great, you know, those receivers are and they really are, but JC Jackson does a fine enough job or can do a fine enough job on any one of those receivers. Uh, you've got a guy in Jalen Mills who I think he's the perfect kind of corner to frustrate a Mike Evans type because he's going to get in his kitchen and he's not going to let him get a free release and, and bully him at the point of the attack. He's, he's going to scrap with him a little bit. So you've got, you've got good matchup pieces um, against them. And, you know, like I said, you've got, you've got Christian Barmore, who's a guy who's he's on the verge of breaking through the, the glass ceiling, right? Like he, he looks so good, but he's not, he doesn't have the stats to, to show for it. And you've got Josh Uche who missed last week, but it's a guy who can get after the quarterback. You've got some of the best blitzing linebackers in the NFL and Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower. Jawan Bentley's looked great this year, uh, kind of attacking. Um, he, he looks much more comfortable in, in his role and, and he knows what to do a little bit better than he did last year. So I think there's a chance that you can frustrate them a little bit and maybe make it a game, right? And, and that's as much as Patriots fans can hope for, I think. No, I'm the same way. It's kind of like, look, it's the whole pro con situation. Obviously there's probably gonna be a lot of cons, but with the pros, it's just kind of like, look at the pros and look at what, for example, they can do to, cause look, the quarterback matchup from week four to week five goes down significantly. You'll obviously be there in person to see it. Uh, the big, big neck of Davis mills, but um, <laughs> I had to get it in there. Um, but no, you're right. That's the whole point. Just go in there, look at the positives, see, hey, what we did. Because if we can go in there and even cover the spread, because right now it's sitting, I believe, at six or six and a half. Not even saying you have to win by six. Go in there. If it's a touchdown game, even if it's a 10-point game, I feel like if it gets to anywhere outside of 17 or 20 that the Bucks win by, then there's a problem. But if you lose, I'd say by less than four, like if you lose by less than two touchdowns, look, it's like a learning experience game to where, hey, how can we apply this? Because October, obviously, after the box, it's the Texans, then the Cowboys at home, then the Jets at home, and then back to L.A., which I do not, even on Halloween, I do not expect it to be the same house of horrors that it was for the Chargers last year. Yeah, I, um, yeah, you know, you try to look at the, at the positives, right, and in the schedule, the rest of the schedule, but. For this team, Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater both said it best. They're not good enough to, like, look at anywhere past Tampa Bay. They're not good enough to even think about the fact that Tampa Bay has Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski on their team. They're, they're just not good enough. They need to focus week by week, game plan specific. Like, how do we put our best foot forward and try to win each game? So, um, and, and those are – that's not me saying it. Those are the players on the team. Those are two captains saying that. They, they don't think that they're good enough right now. That, that doesn't mean that they can't get there, but take it a week at a time. Put your best foot forward. You know, focus on the game plan for that week. Trust in the coaching staff to do that – or, you know, to put them in the best position possible to succeed, which is something that they've done for such a long time. And, 
And hopefully if they're able to do that, you know, that's, that's where things start to turn around and it doesn't have to turn around with a win or a statement game or anything like that. It can turn around in a loss, uh, you know, a, a game that they weren't supposed to keep close or they weren't supposed to be close in, you know, they keep it close. Then you get to go to, like you said, you get to go to Houston. That's a team that you should destroy. Uh, I don't care if you're, you know, Jacksonville, Jacksonville should be beating the Houston Texans. That roster is not good. So, um, but like I said, I'm even getting ahead of myself. One week at a time, take it game by game. And I think they'll be able to start turning things around slowly and, you know, get into a good direction midway through the season and, and try to, you know, make a push a little bit later on. Can I give a really weird example of that from last season? But I'm not – because they obviously they were – not ex, kind of expected to win this game, but it's kind of like the thing that kind of made their season turn around – but that was the Buffalo Bills last year with the Arizona Cardinals. Because, look, the Arizona Cardinals had the miraculous win, and then we yeah. saw both teams do this, where Arizona slowly started to go down. Obviously, Kyler got hurt. But then after that, Buffalo, I'm pretty sure, went undefeated the rest of the season. So I'm just here to say, like, look, one and three is not an exciting number to look at. It's kind of scary to look at. But if you can lose with dignity, you can kind of show that going forward, hey, look – it's not all exactly bad. There's look, it's like, look at the bright side, kind of like, look at the, cause like, what's the word expression I'm looking for? Because the grass is greener on the other side is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's, there's ways to turn it around and it doesn't have to be this week. Exactly. There, there are positives that can come out of a loss. I'm not one of those guys who big, tough football guy who thinks you have to win football games and that's all the, that matters you know there are there are things that you can take out of losses that will help you moving forward well i mean there's other examples of football guys i've seen in recent weeks that are just disgusting aka the guy in the pittsburgh bathroom but um yeah so you you leave the stadium if you're that guy i don't know how you stay but um <laughs> yeah you're right just look at the like even too i like i always said this because i recognize this to the patriots a lot and 2016 brings it out a lot but we had a sunday night game against seattle I even had a weird feeling we we're going to lose that one. But then the same thing, too. You always – like, I always say this, too. For every – even Tampa last year, every team who goes – I'm not saying the Patriots won the Super Bowl. I'm just saying this because you have to learn to get better. But every team who has to win always faces his adversity at some point. I can't remember the last time there was a team in an NFL season where it was just complete perfection throughout the entire year. Even look at us. We got so close, and then our hearts just got ripped out of our chests. So that's what I'm trying to get at with every NFL team you have to go through the progressions. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. I mean, the, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was 2018, that team had a terrible stretch run. You Miracle know, Miami. Miami, they lost to Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. I think they dropped three of their last five and it looked terrible doing it too. They didn't look like a playoff team. Awesome. And then Detroit. They, Detroit. Yeah. That early in the season, they lost to Detroit. Right. But what do they do? End up, you know, they end up winning the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're even going to make the playoffs, but it's so early in the season that they could lose by a hundred and that they might still be fine. Like one in three is not, it's not what it used to be a, a year ago. Even there, there's an extra game now on the schedule and the the division hasn't looked all that great. You know, Miami's what's Miami one and Same two record. as well. New York's zero and three. Like there, there are ways to, to stay competitive and, like it's it's just it's way too early to even talk playoffs, but there are ways to, to keep yourself in the hunt throughout the season. We live in a weird world where the undefeated teams that are still standing, I can name four of them that did not even make the playoffs last year. Right. So it's just 
look, the NFL is a wacky place and just wacky things happen. But no, I'm not, and that's something I got to clear up to. I'm not trying to say that this team's going to the Super Bowl. I'm not trying to reference us to make, this is the game that makes a Super Bowl run. I'm just saying, look, every, it's like climbing a mountain. That's how they say the area NFL season is. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face roadblocks. But I'm just saying it like this. I'm going to quote Julian Edelman. If this is kind of the catalyst that leads us to go down a crazy run, it's going to be one hell of a story. That's 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 all. So I'm not trying to say we're out here making the Super Bowl, and I'm not trying to be a Homer fan. I'm just being realistic. Yep. Yeah. That's it's it's the best way to put it because as I scratch my hair because my my head my hair is itchy, but um because like even now too, for right now you and I we're we're close we're tight, but come next Tuesday we may not be exactly locked up like this. Who, who knows? We may not be. Um, who, knows? who knows? But um, no, that's my whole thing with Sunday. Just look, if you're going to lose, lose with dignity. But then like last year, Baltimore, Sunday night football, I was going to that game thinking, look, same thing as 2019. We got our ass kicked. There's that awkward. Well, there's no fans in the stand, but the meme of the Patriots fan looking, just sitting, it was either looking for fist bumps or just sitting there completely sad as all the Baltimore fans celebrated. And then we won the game. So there's like a weird world in me that like thinks that could happen, but I don't want to let myself get hyped up like that and think we're going to win. I just, I have to be realistic because look, if you try to masquerade realistic with unrealistic at the end of the day, you're just going to get hurt more. Yep. Like Absolutely. That, I 100% agree. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the best way to put it. And also too, it's cautious optimism. I feel it's cautious optimism. Like I know some people it's like, you got to be optimistic. You got to be this. I'm like, no, just be cautiously optimistic because look, we as sports fans, I know you've been a little bit more lucky than me when it comes to success and championships, but um, at the end of the day, like, look, just be cautiously optimistic and hope for the best. And sometimes the best may or may not happen. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll play the other side of the story too. It's, right. it's never, it never hurts to, to be realistic either. Right. Like I, I think as a Patriots fan, you've seen it for years now with, oh, yeah. with Jets fans like those are the most negative and pessimistic people in the world, but they don't really ever get hurt because, <laughs> because they, they're real with themselves and they know they're going to lose. And this year, like this game in the grand scheme of things, right. It's not going to matter all that much other than the Patriots fans being sad that Brady is coming back in another uniform and, you know, kind of the storylines and the headlines that you're going to see this week is, they hate each other. They love each other. You know, are they going to shake hands after the game? All that stuff that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, 20 years down the road when they're both in the hall of fame and they're both Patriots hall of famers, no one's going to care. So if you think about that a little bit, you're like, yeah, that game didn't really matter. It might help take the tension off your shoulders a little bit. And also I know you and I've talked about this several times and I've referenced this several times on this podcast, but read the book by Jeff Bennett, the dynasty. Robert Kraft and Tom Brady never had a proper chance to say goodbye to one another. Obviously they were in the same house and they never got to hug it out because of COVID. So I'm basically here to say, look, if it comes out down the road, yeah, Robert Kraft and Tom Brady, I actually kind of doubt this would happen, but it wouldn't shock me if Robert Kraft saw him behind the scenes or something Saturday night, where, wherever the box are staying, I, I don't know the Boston area too outside of Boston too, too well. So I don't know where the away teams, if they stay in Boston or if they stay closer to Gillette or not, but I'm just it's here to say, Oh, they stay in Providence. Okay. That's why that's where your Providence Saints sweep now makes a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah. They stay in Providence. So yeah, that's the thing that wouldn't shock me to see that. Like you're going to see Robert Kraft being all chummy with him. Bill Belichick too. Like, look, the talking heads of like ESPN and Fox, which I've told you before, I subject myself to torture and like to watch them sometimes and I'll turn it off. 
they'll make it more of a story about Brady and Belichick than any Patriots fan knows. Look, at the end of the day, were they the best of friends? No. Do they know the job they got done and do they have an admiration and respect for each other? Of course. So at the end of the day, any realistic Patriot fan should know, look, they went in their separate directions, but I can see a perfect world whenever his career ends, whether that be in five years and 10 years, hell in 20 years from now, I see Brady coming. Like he could, for all we know, come back and retire a member of the Pats. Yeah. Like I said, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things to like, to me at least, I couldn't care less about that stuff. I'm sure Brady and Kraft will see each other during the week. I'm sure Belichick and Brady won't, and they won't talk because they're on different teams and they're both kind of crazy like that, where they're like, this is the opponent. We got to beat the opponent, you know, but like I said, down the line, everything's going to be fine. No one has to have their feelings upset or hurt or anything like that. It's just a football game. Right. So, um, I'm sure everything's going to be okay, guys. Everything's everything's going to be all right. Yes, and also the one underlying storyline I'm going to have for this game is how red is Bruce Arians' face yet during the actual game itself? That's one thing i got to know. Like, is it going the to only, be like a tomato or is it going to be worse? The only thing we're missing is a, is a cold game because that it would get real bad. You know, oh. I wish this was in, in January, you know, just a gross Bruce Arians tomato face. Belichick bundled up in, in like, the, the big old jacket. Brady in the scuba suit. That'd be way better than this. It's going to be, like, I don't know, 65 degrees. That's that's garbage. Yeah. You know what? If they had done this game, even hell, right before – I remember there was a rumor that it would have been the Thursday night for Thanksgiving, but I feel like that wouldn't have been right. But I feel like if yeah. you had done it, like, in November, it would have been that much better because the cold does play a factor into it. Yeah, Brady would have looked great, and all the rest of his teammates would have been miserable the entire time. Hey, he he brought them, he he willed them to victory in Green Bay in January, so no, exactly, he'll will anybody to victory. Exactly, if you could do it in Green Bay, you could do it anywhere. Um, one other thing I want to talk to you about is just Patriot and Brady moments specifically, but I'm going to make it a little bit tougher for you because obviously there's six games that you can pick from. But I'm going to tell you this. I want you to give me a few moments from Brady's career that stand out to you that are not a Super Bowl moment or occurred in the Super Bowl, excuse me. Okay. First thing that comes to mind is the New Orleans game in 2013, just because we just, New England just played New Orleans. I I just watched that game a few times. I watched Patriots, Saints. It's stuck in my head, right? So that's the first thing that comes to mind. That, That game I had if you don't know anything about my backstory, when I was in middle school, when I was in eighth grade, my family moved from Massachusetts to Texas. And that game was the first game I got to watch the first Patriots game. I got to watch in Texas because it was a national game and all the other games leading up to that were, um, they, they were local. So I, it was the first game I got to watch after moving to Texas. And I was so upset as a kid being like, Oh man, they're going to lose. This stinks. And then, the, the first pass to Edelman, I remember, like, looking up and immediately being like, oh, they're going to win. Like, they're, they're going to win. He's, he's got it. And then, you know, first down on, on fourth and three, I think, to Austin Cauley. Um, you get up, they, they do throw the quick pass to Aaron Dobson, who gets out of bounds and stops the clock. Um, another first down and then touchdown, Kembrell Tompkins. Everybody knows the, the Zolak call, you know, unicorn show ponies, where's the beef? Like that's the first thing that comes to mind, and that might, that might be a little, uh, you know, just in the front of my mind a little bit. But that's that's number one. And then trying to think of other big ones that weren't the Super Bowl, the twenty eighteen AFC Championship, 
It's one of the first things that comes to mind. That was that was the last game, uh, other than the Super Bowl, because we're not talking Super Bowls. That was the last game I watched as somebody who lived in Texas. So little front end back end thing. Um, then they won the Super Bowl, and then I moved back to Massachusetts that summer. Um, that was you know crazy watching that game, and that was the first year that I was really into watching it from both sides and kind of trying to get used to the, the journalistic style of writing. And I was doing a little bit of writing at the time. So being able to kind of experience that from that lens was really cool. And then really just as a whole, like you, you asked me earlier uh, or early in the week, you mentioned, you were like, Oh, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on Brady and stuff. And I, my mind went bigger picture. And what I thought of was, I, in, in my family, you know, my parents, my grandparents, siblings, everybody, none of them care about sports. They're, they're not huge football fans. They don't really care. And what I think, the reason I think is because New England always sucked when they were growing up. My, my grandparents were, I think, 17 and 15 when the Boston Patriots, you know, were, were founded or w- when they went to the NFL. So those teams were terrible. They were never very good. Um, Like Gino Capaletti was the only person that my grandparents could probably name as a Patriot from back in the day. So they didn't care about football. Uh, My parents grew up in the eighties and and nineties. And those were like, like my dad loves Steve Grogan, but he was also a huge Jets fan because he really liked Boomer Esiason. So like there was no allegiance for them. So long story short, they, they don't care about football. And that's because those teams are terrible. Tom Brady's the reason that I am a football fan because, you know, when I'm, when I'm four years old, they win their third Super Bowl in four years, or I'm five years old, they win their third Super Bowl in four years. And that's when New England really came alive as a football, you know, area and scene. And you, you come up as a kid and, and the, the local football team's winning, you have no choice but to follow them and, and watch along and watch every game. So like, I don't know if I'd attribute it to him directly, but him leading the team to success made me a football fan. So that's like, whenever I hear Tom Brady and I think grand scheme of things, like what he, he means to people in new England, that's the big one. Like he, he's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. And I, you know, I want to be a writer and I want to, you know, cover the game professionally. It's because of him really. So that was, that was the big thing that I thought of when you mentioned it earlier this week. Can I be honest with you? If it's not for the seven-year-old me discovering Tom Brady back in 2001 or 2002, actually, excuse me, I was eight. I get my age mixed up. And when I was eight, I don't know if we're having this conversation right now. I don't know if I have this Patriots turf pitcher on my desk. I don't know if I have a closet with Patriots jerseys. I have a Patriots rug in my room. I have all this different memorabilia. Have I been to Gillette Stadium yet? No. Um, uh, would I start this podcast? Would I even be an NFL fan? Who knows what team I would cheer for? Or hell, even if I fall in love with the sport. I credit that all to Tom Brady. So for him, I'm very thankful. It's like I said in the 100th episode. I know that was a long time ago. That was almost two months ago. But I'll always go back to it because that's a special milestone in my heart. And I said it there. If it were not for Tom Brady, I am not the diehard football fan that I am now. So if in the off chance that you want to listen to this or if it happens to get into your camp, uh, just thank you. Cause look at the end of the day, he, and I always said this too, I would never picture myself going down to Canton to actually see anyone get inducted. Whenever he decides to go in hell, I might be in 40 by the time he's going in the hall of fame. 
I would make the trek down to watch him. Uh, one of the things I always wanted to do, though, was get to Gillette to watch him play. Obviously, that never happened. I did get to see him once in a Patriots uniform. But it's like I said to you, were, like I said to you before, I'll repeat it again. If it's not for Tom Brady, do I have this podcast? Do I swear at my TV on Sundays, even though I'm a fan? Do I podcast where I start to write myself? Obviously, I who knows where this goes. But at the same time, too, that's all I got to say is just, look, you and I both have a similar story. I know you're obviously a little bit younger than me. But we have a similar story in the sense of, look, we are where we are and we're on the Zoom call right now because of Tom Brady. And for that, thank you, Tom. Yeah, I, it's, I'm, I'm not, I, I think I've talked about it in the past being on this show. I, I've, I've distanced myself from the fan aspect of sports a little bit. Um, like the Red Sox are the only team that can draw an emotion out of me. And they've done a real good job of drawing the worst out of me lately. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've kind of become numb to being a fan, which it, it sucks a little bit, but it also it's, I, I really enjoy the aspect of being partial to things. Um, but Tom Brady, like watching that run to the Super Bowl last year, as someone who wrote about the Patriots all year and then was out of it and just watching as a fan of the game once the Patriots were eliminated, like even if I didn't grow up in this in this region or see, you know, my my favorite childhood team win six Super Bowls with him at the quarterback, it's hard not to like him and, and appreciate what he did for the game or what he's doing for the game it's 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 such a unique story like the six round draft pick stuff narrative and all that stuff it, it gets overplayed a little bit but it really when you sit down to think about it six round draft pick was never expected to be a starter it was really like they took a shot at the kid and we're like oh let's see what he's got he ends up being the greatest quarterback of all time he has more championships than any other franchise in the history of the sport uh he is his own franchise right He's the face of the sport that I write and, and, and cover and, and that you podcast and write about and that Twitter has become so famous for, you know, analyzing everything. He's the face of that. So hats off to him and all the respect in the world too. If you can be that guy, you've, you've got my respect just to command so much attention and focus on yourself and, and onto the sport you play like hats off to you. That's, I think that's awesome. No, I com- I completely completely agree with you. Like, look, even last year too. Like, I I fully admit this. I was wearing my TB12 shirt with the six on it, with all the new Roman numerals of all our championships on the back last year. I was happy for the guy. I wasn't rooting for the Bucks. I root for the player in that case. I know some people don't like to do that nowadays, but last year I, I just had to root for him. Uh, what else was I gonna say? It's just like it's like how we said too. Look, we're here now. We do what we do because of him. Um, the other thing I was gonna say too is one of the craziest what ifs in sports could be. What if Mo Lewis didn't blow up Drew Bledsoe? Would we be still here having this talk? Would Tom Brady win seven Super Bowls? It's just, I, I love him and I hate him, but that, that's just a what if that came across my mind too. Like, as look, September 23rd, 2001, it literally was a few days ago, 20th anniversary, Tom Brady having to play because Drew Bledsoe got absolutely blown up. It's just one of those crazy things that makes you think, you know? Yeah, there, there's ton, like, I, I always think, what if San Francisco doesn't draft Giovanni Carmazzi and they, you know, they draft the hometown kid instead. Like there, there are a ton of scenarios where the league and the sport would be very, very different. And I think, you know, as, as much as the focus will be on their, I don't know if you want to say beef or that, but their relationship as a whole, as much as the focus will be on that this week, Brady and Belichick were the perfect pairing. 
Like I, there is no other quarterback coach combo that would have yielded the results that they, that they did and would garner as much hate as they did. And absolutely like, like people loathe those two human beings. And I think it's so funny, so funny how mad people get. I it's, it's hilarious to me. Um, but like the, I think everything worked out perfectly and that's why he is who he is. But even without it, he was going to, Tom Brady was going to be Tom Brady no matter what. So, uh, but like I said, it, it worked out perfectly for, especially for a kid who grew up in Eastern Massachusetts out 45 minutes from Gillette stadium. Like I couldn't have had a better childhood growing up rooting for sports teams. I had that. And then, you know, we don't have to get into the other stuff, but all my other teams won championships I went to UMass. They won a championship. Like you, you boys, good luck. But I, I, I had, I had good luck, you know, growing up as a sportsman. So I'll see UMass going back to back for men's hockey because I know football's looking right, up baby. right now. Hey, oh. number one seed or number one uh, ranked team in the country. That's all that matters right now. Uh, no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. I, I, I'm finally starting to jump more on the college hockey. I won that jersey, so I feel like I'm kind of a Gopher fan. They were ranked number one in the Big Ten. Not a big deal over Michigan. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Listen, both can get the work in, in in the Frozen Four. Both of them. Yeah, you know what? Sounds that's that 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 sounds good to me. But um, no. At the end of the day, look. Whatever happens, Sunday happens. Uh, one of the things I'm actually gonna ask you about, did you like the Adele promo? Did you think it was cheesy? Cause I know some people were laughing at it and the Patriots fans were just like, you know, chills and everything, you know? Yeah. So I, I, said, I said earlier on the, the show how, um, in the grand scheme of things, like this doesn't matter, you know, really looking back, we're going to, we're going to remember this for the spectacle that it was. And that promo is kind of the reason why, <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it's so funny to me, like, the what a weird song to, to choose. Like, the, there, there had to be something better. But uh, I, I, think, I think NBC does a really good job with all that stuff. Like, no one gets more excited for any game, any weekly game than Sunday Night Football. Like, Sunday Night Baseball can't beat it. Monday and Thursday Night Football can't beat it. Even, like, you know, like, NBA Wednesdays or Hockey Night in Canada. Like, none of, none of it beats that Sunday night football is the preeminent like weekly sporting event. And the reason it is, is because they do such a good job. So um, it, it's going to get people to watch. So I think it was, it was well done in that aspect, but also that what a ridiculous song to use. So sad. So like, it was like, a, it's a breakup song, which is kind of perfect at the same time. Exactly. I just love the part where it's like, so hello from the other side and it just changes from Patriots to Buccaneers. It's just like yeah. a complete thing. It's there. well done. I won't, I won't, you know, give them any crap on that. It was very well done. Oh, no, I'm the same way. Um, the only other thing I'll say about everything like that, there is only one Hockey Night in Canada matchup that truly gets me excited. And folks, if you can figure out by now, I'm a Leafs fan. So whenever the Leafs and the Canadians play on Saturday night, it's not that it gets its excitement. It's always just like, it has like a special feeling to it, but you're right. No, like there's literally like the hockey and Canada theme song is what it is, but like Sunday night football, it's the NBC jingle they play. It's Carrie Underwood. The second she hits the mic, yep. like no matter who's playing, like you just get chills. Like I even get chills thinking about it. But I will say this though, Faith Hill still the goat for Sunday night football. I was legend. Uh, legend. Like it's Carrie's legend. good. Carrie's good, but Faith is just up there. But you're no, you 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 basically I love today's podcast because we basically just bounced off each other and agreed upon everything. And look. We ripped the Band-Aid off. That was a Saints game. But like Bill Belichick, 
we're on to Tampa Bay. Yeah, the, it, it's time to, to flip the page. I don't think that's a game where you throw the tape out by any stretch of the imagination because there's, there's a lot you can learn from it. But it's also like, do not get caught up on that, especially if you're a fan. There are 14 more of these things. And if you get caught up on a week three Saints loss, then I, I can't help you. Like, there, there's plenty more to look forward to. And if I, if I could give any advice to Patriots fans, enjoy this week. Don't get caught up in the, in the garbage, right? Like, like a linebacker. Don't get caught in the garbage. Make your way through it and enjoy, like, enjoy the ride up to this week because Patriots fans, your favorite quarterback, your favorite coach, you're finally going to get to see them match up. So you look at it like a, an exhibition game. It's, it's all about the fun. It's all about seeing who, who can win the one matchup. So um, I, I think without a doubt, the game is going to be very, very fun to watch. I, I'm just, uh, before you go, I was trying to debate on what to call this because you've given me two really good sound points. You said one that's either don't get caught up in the garbage or in the grand scheme of things. So look out for the, you'll figure out the title by now by the time this is up, but I already know because you gave me impeccable and sensational back in June and you're giving me one of those two now. I think I may have to go with don't get caught up in the garbage because honestly, that's the, that's the great theme this week. Cause like, I know I've told you before I get caught up in the ESPN YouTube clips. I just want to avoid those. I'm going to listen to the podcast I listen to. Because I know, for example, part of my take, something you and I both like to listen to, they're just going to make it fun. Like even to the guys at tailgate, they'll just predict it and say the same things. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think it's just the talking heads that are going to get everyone going and making this game more than what it is. So I love your advice on the whole. Look, enjoy it. We may never see this again. How about this? This week, it's don't get caught up in the garbage. And then next week when they eventually lose, it's in the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter. It, It really didn't. So there you go. Back to back weeks. I love that because to be honest with you, I'm actually having another third of the past nation podcast. As of now scheduled, Ryan is coming on here to to recap the game with me next Monday night. So look, I already, if, if they, if they lose, I'm going to get saying basically in the grand scheme of things, I, for, I I can't believe I'm already blanking on what you said in the grand scheme of things. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. I already have a title. If they win, if they lose, but you know what? If it happens to be a W for those of you watching on YouTube, um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But you know what? Like Keegan said, I'm just going to echo his message again. Enjoy it. Enjoy this week. Enjoy it all. Absolutely. Oh, well, that's going to do it, folks, for episode number 113 of YWC Football Talk. I'm Griff Bordegon. This has been Keegan Stiefel. You can find him on Twitter at Keegan, I believe, Keegan Stiefel. Is that it? Or... Yep, right here. I think it says it right here. So, Oh, just look on the Zoom description uh, for those of you on YouTube. For those of you listening on podcasts, I'll be in the description. And also, too, guys, just check out all of his writing at pathpulpit.com and the Patriots Nation podcast. Those guys have been pumping up great content all season, and it does not plan on stopping anytime soon. But that's going to do it for us. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, don't get caught up in the garbage. Goodbye, everyone. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. 
The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.